Everyone has their own unique views and needs when it comes to financial success. If you'd like to leave your financial woes behind and live a life of financial freedom, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Saving with Steve show, hosted by Steve Sexton. The show will help you with the ins and outs of money. We talk about financial issues that could be costing you thousands of dollars and keeping you up at night. We talk about money, tax reduction, saving more, spending less, 401ks, risk management, retirement, and everything under the sun that relates to you having a healthier, happy relationship with money. Now, here is your host of Saving with Steve, Steve Sexton. Hello, welcome to the Saving with Steve show where we talk about the ins and outs of money, pretty much everything under the sun that relates to you having a happier, healthier relationship with money. My name is Steve Sexton. I wanna thank you for joining us today. We have a wonderful show and we're definitely talking about money. We're also talking about a little bit of the pandemic here. Think about this. We've seen home prices go up. We've seen car prices go up. Your gas have gone up. Your food has gone up. Pretty much everything, including the stock market, have gone up. Are we potentially looking at a bubble, maybe an everything bubble, because those prices got to come down? Despite the efforts of the Federal Reserve to strengthen the U.S. economy, it instead created an unsustainable booms that inevitably lead to some sort of bust. Based off several indicators, the next bust might be just around the corner. We're really lucky today in the second half of the show, we are so glad we have Dr. Murray Sabrin. He's a professor of finance. He's the author of Navigating the Boom and Bust Cycles of Bubbles. And these are things that you really want to stick around for, whether you're managing your own finances, your own business, a medium-sized business, the nonprofit. I'll be talking about how to reduce your debt in the new year. You're going to definitely want to stick around for that. Being debt free is great because you always want to earn interest instead of paying it. Up next, we have a wonderful, wonderful story. Great book. Great author. His name's Adam Katz. See, we've heard so much about frontline workers, hospitals, doctors, nurses, and all the things that we've done. But we haven't heard all that much about the other frontline workers, which are the cashiers that work at grocery stores that have helped people out through thick and thin. We're talking to people with anxiety. They're frightened. They're angry. Their politics stuff, all that stuff that they had to deal with. We're going to hear from Adam Catt, who's the author of Life on the Grocery Line, a Frontline Experience in a Global Pandemic, which would be really very interesting. With that, hey, Adam, thank you for being part of the Saving with Steve show. And I want to welcome you to the show. Thanks for having me, Steve. It's good to be here. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, you know what? It's really interesting when you look at the pandemic, you see all the news stories about what's going on in the hospitals and all that kind of stuff. Yet everybody, when you think about it, is they've got to go to Costco, they got to go to their grocery store, they got to get food, they got to get goods and all that kind of good stuff. Yet people that worked at the grocery stores, they were there every day, even though everything else was cut down. And you're a person who lived that. So my understanding is you're a writer, right? Yeah. Okay. So you're a writer, you're looking to pursue that, you decided to take on a, a grocery store job, and then the pandemic hit. I think I've always been a writer in a way. It's kind of personality trait more than anything, but I write on the side. And it came to the end of 2019. I was working a corporate job that I hated. So I decided to take a few months off and cash out my 401k and work on a novel that I'd wanted to write for a long time. Well, I got to the end of 2019 and I needed money. So I started working in a grocery store and beginning or late January. By mid-March, everything changed. I thought it was going to be a fun job, something to do on the side while I worked away on my great American novel, you know, and the school shut down. All of a sudden we have plexiglass, we have masks everywhere. Parents are freaking out, long lines. 
empty shelves, um, panic, fear in people's eyes. And you know, as a cashier, I had to deal with it abruptly and immediately, like everything started to change. So the best thing for me is to write about it. So I started a blog called lifeonthegrocerylime.com and it gained a really big following. It gained a community. Like people could really relate to it. And they were, they were worried about their loved ones. They were, no one knew what this virus was. Like I remember when people thought that your pets could transmit it yeah. and all sorts of strange, like no one knew what was going on. So it grew and grew. And so I'd shared a lot of stories and I turned those stories into a narrative that became a book based on my whole experience. And yeah, we published it in April of this year. Yeah. Yeah. It's been pretty, pretty amazing. I want to say it's almost, uh, well, four and like one little sliver left than five stars. So it's doing very, very well. And I think I'm going to congratulate you for that. But Thank you. one of the things I'd like to talk to you about here is before the pandemic, what was it like working at the grocery store? Whether it's a nurse or a doctor or you, it's kind of the same thing. You, hey, life's normal. What's the typical experience when you have a customer come up, go through your cashier line? Part of my draw towards the job was I kind of have a gift to gab. I like talking to people. I like interacting on that level. Now I knew that like cashiers aren't treated very well by a lot of people. Like they just ignore them or whatever. But I thought it'd be fun in that sense, you know, just joking around. Mm-hmm. And it was really at first, like, I don't know, just messing with people, like joking around, having a good time. Very, very busy store. You have to learn quickly. That changed so quickly because all of a sudden you had plexiglass up and you can't hear the people and you got a mask now and it feels like you're behind a wall and you're separated from them. And there's no intimate moment anymore. Everyone's very isolated, even when they're only a few feet apart. It like became stressful and unnerving when you have lines to the back of the store And everyone has that look in their eye, like they've been up all night in the hospital waiting for a loved one or something, you know, that Mm -hmm. the deep pockets and they're super scared. And you'd have good moments with certain people. Like when you could share them, they'd talk about their fears or what's going on in the world or just, you know, try and laugh with you, but you couldn't tell jokes anymore. So it was, it was strange. It got really weird very quickly. And did you have people take things out on you just because? Yeah, there's a, (laughs) so it was like a month and a half into the pandemic. And we were running out of a lot of stuff, toilet paper, or we were out of toilet paper, out of yeast, out of canned goods. We also started to run out of bags because we were so busy and we couldn't get in any in. I remember one woman, she wanted me to double bag her groceries and we were told not to do that. And when I told her that, she proceeded to start to lose it. And she started grabbing everything off the conveyor belt and grabbed a bag right out of my hands and threw it into her cart. The whole time she's doing this, she's saying, it's not you. It's not you. Like you could just, I don't know, like just losing it in real time. And as she's storming out of the building, she looks back, says something to me, licks her hand and slaps it down on the final register. And it was one of the more unnerving things that I experienced my entire time there. I just feel for her. She shouldn't do that. (laughs) But life is stranger than fiction sometimes. And that's really what it was for those first few months of working in the grocery store. Obviously you're in a store, things are going away. Were you having people show up first thing in the morning and try to, you know, get their way in and make sure they're the first to get whatever, if you've got stuff coming in, how how was that? They started an hour early. The first hour of the day was for elderly people. Mm -hmm. And then you were doing a counter at the front. So if you were the person at the front, you had to stop people. You had to ask them to put on a mask. You had to like all these new duties that kind of go way beyond the scope of being a cashier or someone working, putting carts away. Your responsibility increased so drastically. And these people didn't understand. I mean, everything's changing so rapidly that you would get so much pushback. And people would just 
yell at you for no reason. And they're dealing with their own things, but people don't connect the dots that I don't choose to do this. That's not my ideas to stop you from getting in the store. It put so much undue pressure on a lot of cashiers and mm-hmm. grocery store workers in general, for sure. Wow. And how long were you working at the grocery stores before you finished? I worked there from January of 2020 all the way to May of this year. And okay. now I'm working at a big CPG company in supply chain. Mm-hmm. I stepped into from one craziness into like a whole new uh, level of like, there's like, no one's getting their orders. Everyone's getting cut. Everyone's upset. And this is at like an account management level. You know, you're talking about orders that only fill at 25% or something because we have supply constraints and the whole supply chain goes all the way down the line. And it's been rough. It's weird to see that from the beginning of why this is starting to happen to the fruition. And now I'm seeing like the higher end of it. And why like shelves are empty. So what you're saying right now is you're in the logistics side of things and you have clients that say, Hey, I've got 500 of these that I'm supposed to get, but they're only getting 125. Yeah. I'd say that's a pretty common occurrence. It's in across every industry, really. Like I work for one that does mainly dairy products, but like it's in every industry, everyone's getting shorted or their orders get pushed out two weeks. It's kind of feels like it's never ending. And we're kind of told that it's not going to end either. So yeah, every economist that I've talked to doesn't believe it's going to end for another year or two. Yeah, Uh, it'll be sometime in early 2023 that things will end because it's just nuts. So right now, basically what you're seeing is you're still taking pressure, but the pressure is coming in a different fashion because you're now handling the logistics side of dairy products. And everybody wants to get their milk. They want to get their eggs. They want to get their poultry, all that kind of good stuff. It's still, hey, we're short. Now, is the dairy products coming from all over the world or just here in the States or? Made in the States, but they're all over the country. Big customers to little customers just aren't getting what they need. And it's different. Like when I worked in the grocery store and you can get the book at amazon.com, life on the grocery line. But um, Mm -hmm. when I worked in the grocery store, you could handle it in real, it's almost real time. Like it became surreal to a certain point where I just floated through the day. Like the, I never really took it that personally, I guess. I didn't have like the breakdown. Like I know other people did and I totally understand that. I mean, it was bananas. My way of dealing with it was writing and dealing with stuff face to face and being on that front line as opposed to like now I'm just, I sit in my like apartment and people send mean emails, I guess. Emails. <laughs> like, <laughs> like nothing I could do about it. But, no, I get it. No, I get it. I totally do. Yeah. It's, it doesn't like have that. Ex- um, the experience and I don't know, it, it just feels like it grinds on forever. It feels like, well, we've been two years in, right? Been on the ground floor the whole time. I'm just in a different spot right now. We're going to have to take a break and we'll be right back. More expert advice for having a happier relationship with money still to come on the Saving with Steve show. Don't let your financial woes keep you up at night and prevent you from living a life of financial and personal freedom. Hi, I'm Steve Sexton, host of The Saving with Steve Show. We're gonna be talking about the ins and outs of money, those financial issues that could be costing you thousands of dollars, causing stress, keeping you up at night. We're gonna talk about money, tax reductions, saving more, spending less, your investments, risk management, retirement, and everything associated with you having a healthier, happy relationship with money. So if you've ever dreamed of living a life of financial and personal freedom, you owe it to yourself and your family to tune into The Saving with Steve Show. Join me, Steve Sexton, on The Saving with Steve Show as we talk about everything under the sun when it comes to money. To learn more about the show, visit savingwithsteve.us. That's savingwithsteve.us, savingwithsteve.us. We'll see you soon.
Welcome back to the show that is here to help you achieve your financial goals. It's the Saving with Steve show. Now here's your host, Steve Sexton. Hey, welcome back to the Saving with Steve show where we talk about the ins and outs of money. I just want to make sure you all know all the replays are available at savingwithsteve.us. If you're enjoying the stories of helpful information and insight on Saving with Steve, then I encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel, Google Play channel, Spotify. And so you never miss a show. Check out our affiliates at UK Health Radio, BBS Radio, Talk Radio New York City, E360 TV, and Las Vegas TV Network. All these networks are dedicated to empowering you to solve problems, uplift your spirit, and live a life of financial personal freedom. Also, you can follow us on Facebook and join the Steve Sexton Insiders Club at savingwithsteve.us. If you'd like to suggest a topic or a guest for the show, just go to viewers at savingwithsteve.us. That's viewers at savingwithsteve.us and send us in your topic, your question. We'll make sure it gets answered. Now, we have Adam Cat here. He's been discussing what's going on with the supply chain, the grocery store line. I mean, you've had an, you know, a stressful year and a half. <laughs> there, you can see where it went. <laughs> I'm with you. Mine just, mine's hereditary. <laughs> That's cool. Um, so, now you're now you're working in supply chain. People are seeing, or stores are actually seeing, twenty five percent of the orders that they've made. And then you know what are you know are the you know you you're dealing with logistics. Are you dealing with any of the pricing at all? Um, not directly, but I know the pricing is going up. Yeah. And- so basically, we're seeing the inflation because the lack of goods. Um, and, uh, you know what, part of that had to do with the volume of producers going down early on in the pandemic. Part of that had to do with the over demand that occurred in the beginning of the dam- uh, pandemic. Um, so if somebody's working or going into a grocery store right now, you know, what, and they're, you know, what they, right now it's Omicron and everybody's freaking out about that. You know, I don't know where you in Colorado, but out where I live. Um, lines around the corner trying to get tested, trying to get booster shots, all that kind of stuff. Um, my uh, son's uh, come back from college, but he's supposed to meet two or three friends and two of the three friends or fathers got, you know, COVID. So I guess they're not meeting up. <laughs> oh, man. That's, so my, my thing is this. You know what? You've created a process for yourself, almost like an outlet to relieve your stress. And I can see where when you talk about you know, hey, there was other employees that had no place to go, which means they probably left the job after getting, you know, almost put in prison on their, you know, their checkout line with a mask, had to tell people to put on mask and deal with that pressure and stress every day, and then to go home and see it on TV again. So it just kind of got added and added, you know, you know, some of them had a tough time. Now, if you were there, you know what, what was your process for relieving this you know, obviously you had a process to do this uh, and part of that was writing, but how did you get through it? Besides just, you know, walk through that process. So if somebody else listening and go, Hey, I have a similar process, but my superpower isn't writing. It's maybe working out or cooking or planning or whatever. Right. You know, I, like for me, I, I didn't look at the job as a forever job. Now I know people do, and I don't think there's any, I think it's admirable work. I think whatever you do in life, you should do with enough effort and work hard at it and like uh, put it, put in as much as you expect to get out. And so for me, um, I, 
I detached in a way because like I've, I was able, like I just observed it for the absurdity that it was. Like I, to me, it was absolutely absurd what was going on. And like to be in this moment in time and to realize that, you know, like everything's melting down, everything, everything, feel, even though, you know, it's probably not gonna, it definitely felt like it. And, you know, to explore that through writing was the best outlet for me, but it also like, it made me just leave it on the, like the paper. I didn't have to come in with what I experienced the next day. I just kind of left it out there. And, you know, people were feeling the same way. That's why it grew so big is because, you know, so many other cashiers or retail workers or non-essential, whatever, however you want to, um, whoever gave us that term, you know, it, um, they definitely, they related to it. And like that feedback loop was really nice for me. I didn't feel so alone when I went home and sit on Twitter and don't doom scroll about, you know, death counts and all these crazy things that they oh, yeah. major you know, news outlets would tell you, like it was sat there right on CNN like just the death count and all these unknowns and, and um, yeah, that, that was definitely a pretty important thing to me. And I, like, I tried to connect with people that I worked with too. And we talked about a lot of things. I feel like I went through the trenches with a lot of them that we're all in this together. Mm-hmm. Like, even though the, they were saying that and it didn't feel real, you actually were, if you were working in a grocery store with other people that had to sit there for long hours and, they're offering overtime and extra pay. And it's just like, I didn't even take the overtime because I was so tired and just done with every day when every order is $400 and people are like, just giving you scowls and, or they won't talk to you because they're, they're staying so far away and all these they're different things. Up in their head. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know what? I think what's the name of your blog. So life on the grocery line.com is the blog. And that's also, you can get, it'll take you to anywhere to get the book that you can. It also, um, I, I don't do the blog anymore. I haven't filled it in since I started posting for my second novel or second book that I'm writing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can kind of scan through the past and see what it was really like in real time um, and see what led to the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also the, I have signed copies that are available there and like life on the grocery line masks that are, I know they're cloth masks, but they're still pretty cool. So mm-hmm. Yeah, it's no, I, I think novel. what's really cool about what you've done is you created an environment or kind of a community or a fellowship where people can go say, hey, there's other people dealing with the same stuff I am. And yeah. I always equate this because like when my, you know, it was funny because when we, we had little kids, you know, when they were little three and four and all that stuff, they're out of the playground. My, my, my wife was with a bunch of other ladies and one goes, you know what? does your kid eat the crayons too? You know? <laughs> and they're like, Oh yeah. Or does he do this? And they all realize, Hey, my kid's not crazy. He's just normal. So right. that's what I love about a fellowship and what you're doing is that you created a community where people go, Hey, you know what? Um, somebody's dealing with the same stuff. I am. Oh my God, it's worse than me. That just, you know, that kind of takes the air out of the, the steam that's in their head. And for you as writing, but you created a wonderful opportunity and, Quite frankly, if your box stays up, I think, you know, people would it make sense for those people who are dealing with those type of things to go check out your blog and to see what the other people are saying. And you know what? They might not, you know, say anything, but they'll be able to read something or maybe they just write something in there, even though you're not keeping up with it. So they can just get it out of their system, too. Yeah, it was, you know, like I mentioned, there's a podcast called The Retail War Zone that when I published my book, 
they reached out to me and they've grown a lot since then. Mm -hmm. Um, and if you're in retail or you work in that world at all, or you really ever have, they really, they speak so well to it. So I encourage people to go check them out because they, that's called the retail war zone, retail war zone. And you can get them, find them on YouTube. It's the easiest spot, but they, they do such a good job of kind of breaking down what people go through, like from management to pharmacy, to the, to the grocery store workers. And it's, it's really, it's great stuff. And I never would have found them without the book. So I love how people bonded together during this time. I know it drove a lot of people apart with the, the pandemic. It's hard. It's, it's oh, a very yeah. difficult time in our lives, but there's some, if you can find the positive, especially if you can laugh, like my book is definitely like a dark comedy in a lot of ways. And if you can laugh at it, laugh at what we're all going through, even the hardest times, then we can get through anything. You know, it's, it's pretty wonderful in that way. If you look at it, right. Yeah. Oh, Hey, you know what this tells you, whatever. There's a lot of people who think their life and career is over, but they're realizing that there's something there at the end of the rainbow and they can get through it just like everybody else did. And to have a fellowship or community makes a big difference. So let us know how people can go about getting your book again. And then I'd like to talk to you about what you're working on next. So you can go to lifeonthegrocerylinecom and that'll take you to you can get a signed copy there, or you can go to, it's got links to Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Um, you can get it online anywhere. And yeah, that's, that's the best place. Cause I think you tap into what it's about at a bigger scope than just the book too. Cause you can read through the first post and all the things that like people would share stories with me. I remember this one woman, she said that her dad was elderly and he wanted cinnamon rolls, but he couldn't like, he couldn't go anywhere. So he, she had to go get them and she shows up to the store and this is the heart of it. Like this is maybe April or May. Everyone's freaked out. And she, you know, she asked him, do you have the cinnamon rolls that, you know, it's my, my, my dad, her grandpa is like, you know, he's in his nineties and um, like, no, but you know what? We had a batch coming out. We'll make them or we'll make them right for you. We'll, we'll throw them in a box, get them done for you a lot faster than they would. And she said, she started to cry. Um, and I know it's, cinnamon rolls. And maybe it seems like kind of ridiculous, but to me, it's like, you know, that was what someone else could do for someone else. Just the little thing. Mm-hmm. It's the little, little thing. Little that, humanity goes a long way. Yeah. Just made her day and made like that connection will always be there. I would think, you know, that's pretty beautiful in that way. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. So I got about 25 seconds. What are you working on next? So I have another novel that I'm going to be working on that hopefully will be out middle of the year. It's called a grocery store, a novel, and it'll be more about the broad scope. I want to do something where I talk about the love hate relationship I had with working in a grocery store, because it's a pretty amazing place. And it, mm-hmm. it's a whole lot of humanity going on in that joint and like a lot of interesting people. And it's, you know, from people that work there for 30 years to college students, to all the different dynamics. So I want to explore that in my next book. I bet it'd be an awesome soap opera and ladies are going to love it. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, everybody, this is Adam Cat. You want to go check out his book, Life in the Grocery Line. It's all about the pandemic. Hey, Adam, I want to thank you for joining the show. Hey, you can see it in the background there. Um, You know what? Love to have you back when you get your next book done. I'd like to hear what you're doing and how it's going. And you stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll look forward to talking to you in the future. Absolutely, Steve. I really appreciate you having me on, man. I really like this. This is great. 
My pleasure. Hey, everybody, this is Adam Cat. You want to stick with us? We're going to be right back with more Saving with Steve. More expert advice for having a happier relationship with money still to come on the Saving with Steve show. Don't let your financial woes keep you up at night and prevent you from living a life of financial and personal freedom. Hi, I'm Steve Sexton, host of The Saving with Steve Show. We're gonna be talking about the ins and outs of money, those financial issues that could be costing you thousands of dollars, causing stress, keeping you up at night. We're gonna talk about money, tax reduction, saving more, spending less, your investments, risk management, retirement, and everything associated with you having a healthier, happy relationship with money. So if you've ever dreamed of living a life of financial and personal freedom, you owe it to yourself and your family to tune into The Saving with Steve Show. Join me, Steve Sexton, on The Saving with Steve Show as we talk about everything under the sun when it comes to money. To learn more about the show, visit savingwithsteve.us. That's savingwithsteve.us, savingwithsteve.us. We'll see you soon. Welcome back to the show that is here to help you achieve your financial goals. It's the Saving with Steve show. Now here's your host, Steve Sexton. Hey, welcome back to the Saving with Steve show where we talk about the ins and outs of money. I want to thank you for joining us and listening in. We just had Adam Cat. You know what? He has a wonderful book, Life on the Grocery Line, A Frontline Experience in a Global Pandemic. Wonderful book. Almost five stars on Amazon. A few more people are going to be purchasing that thing. And you know what? You might want to take a look at it too. Now, next up, we're going to be talking about how to reduce your debt in the new year. You know what? It's really interesting because... We we studies show that the you know at retail had a wonderful time production-wise, sales-wise, Amazon-wise, with people purchasing things for the holiday. And credit card purchases were up. Many people leverage their credit cards to make sure they can create a wonderful Christmas for the ones they love and care about, which is great. Now, on top of that, we're dealing with inflation which is rising costs, rent, gas, food, things, everything that we got is a little bit more expensive now, whether it's a car or whatever. Now, that said, right now we're in the new year, might have that resolution where you want to take control of your debt, reduce, eliminate it, might be your goal, but you don't know how. This is the time to get your pen and paper out. Um, listen to this portion of the segment two or three times. I call it rinse and repeating. I'm going to walk you through how to organize, create the snowball to pay off your debt, ways to reduce expenses, then keep doing what you're doing right now, but have the money to pay off the debt and so on. Okay. And also some ways to create some side income. All right. Now, first of all, let's organize your debt. The best way to organize your debt is list all the credit cards, all the mortgages, all the auto loans any loan that you have, personal loan, whatever. Start by making sure you have the lowest balance first all the way to the highest balance. Then what is the minimum payments for each in the next column? Then what is your payment dates? Okay. And then after that, you want to make sure you have the interest rate. Now, the snowball method is really designed to create a snowball effect in you paying off your debt. A lot of people will say, hey, I want to start with the largest debt and pay that off first. Some people like to say, hey, I'm going to start with a credit card or the debt that has the highest interest rate and pay that off first. Some will start with the lowest balance because they want to see progress quickly. And here's what we do. 
What you're going to do is you're going to pay the minimum payment on every single one of your debts. The next thing you're going to do is you're going to take as much as you can extra and pay it on on top of the minimum payment that you want to pay off. So for example, you have a $100 minimum payment. You have an extra $100. So you pay $200 on that one credit card. And you pay all the minimum payments on everything else. And every month you add that. Once you've paid off that first debt, it's gone, right? So what you do is you take that minimum payment that you're paying there plus the extra and add it to the minimum payment of the next debt. And so on and so on. And pretty soon you've created a snowball effect and your debt is significantly reduced or paid off. Now, some people are saying, hey, Steve, we've got inflation here. We've got things going up and up and up. I've got a lot of debt. I'm chapping the nickel already. How do I reduce or limit expenses? So let's start by looking at everything you do. Number one, hey, if you have a cell plan, there are multiple cellular providers that could lower your cost. You know what? We used to have AT&T. We lowered our cell phone bills because there was the four of us by $80 a month. You might say, hey, well, $80 isn't a lot of money. Well, every little bit counts. Then we started taking a look at our cable. You know what? When I first did this, we were paying almost $272 on cable plus the streaming stuff. You know what we did? We eliminated the cable and just had internet. We didn't, and then all we did is we have our three or four streaming packages. So now we're down from 270 to right now, it went down to one, about 150. Now we're at about two, uh, $120 a month. So we're over $100 savings there. And look at your utility bill. Hey, you know what? You can save 30 bucks a month by reducing your temperature on your thermostat by one degree every single day. Okay, so that means if you're at 66, make it at 65 at wear a sweater, whatever the case may be. Okay, look at travel. If there's two of you in the house, who's driving further to the office? Okay, I had one client, I had one client, he was driving a truck to Camp Pendleton every day. His wife was driving the Prius in town. She was putting 10 miles a day, he was putting 75. Okay, he was going through five, six tanks a month in that truck, and all they did was switch. Okay. Save $300 a month just by doing that. Now, looking at food, you know what? We used to buy those bag salads at four bucks a piece. You know what? Now we buy the romaine lettuce or the spinach or whatever lettuce we want. We have some nuts, some cheese, and some dressing. We buy the raw materials. And by dry, buying the raw materials, we went from paying $3.99 a day for a salad multiplied by 20 days. You're looking at about $80 a month to about 12. It was actually a $60 saving. We stopped buying pre-prepared food from a store and bought the individual things. Saved us a ton of money. Next, we looked at you know eating out. Oh my God, we were the Starbucks fans. Actually, my wife liked another coffee place, but we started buying the Keurig cups, creamer. So a box of Keurig, I just saw it at Costco. It's $26 for a hundred of them. $5 for a creamer, that's $31. Instead of paying $5 to $7 a day for coffee on a 30-day work month, you know, we're looking at a few hundred dollars down to 40. So there's money there. Travel. Start looking at different travelers. Go get this book called um, Plan Your Escape by Wayne Dunlap. It'll show you how to travel the world for less and you can save a ton of money and still go travel.
You know what? There's a lot of ways where you can create an opportunity for you to save money by still doing a whole bunch of stuff with your friends. We started a gourmet group. So basically what it is, is we have one theme. Say it's a German night theme. Okay, great. So somebody makes a German main dish and everybody else brings side dishes and their own alcohol. And able to socialize without going to dinner and all of us paying a hundred bucks each. It was very simple, very easy, and everybody loved it. Game nights. You know what? The ladies have their bunko. They started doing a couple's bunko. Everybody brought their own alcohol and a little bit of, um, you know, uh, was it the, the host would have little snacks and stuff like that and a dessert, but it was relatively inexpensive, less than $50 to have it. And all we're doing is rotate it from family to family. The next thing is we've seen park things where everybody goes out to the park, they play games, the whole shot. And you know what? Everybody's bringing their own little lunch. So it's just an opportunity to socialize, hiking, things like that. Wonderful ways to go out and do things without spending a, a, a bunch of money. Now, if you want to amplify the amount that you pay off, consider getting a side job. Now, some people will be a consultant if they already, they already do that type of work. They do a consultant in the evening, 20 hours. I have some of my clients that are making $20 an hour as a tutor for English for people overseas. They're working 20 hours a week being a tutor, okay? And they're making 400 extra dollars a week that's going towards their credit card so they can get those out of the way. You know what? You can go do a drive share, Uber, Lyft, whatever the case may be, or DoorDash and make a few extra dollars that way. You just want to make sure it's profitable, especially nowadays with high gas prices. But there's many ways to reduce that. So here we go. Let's review. We're looking at organizing our debt. Figure out how which one you're going to pay off first. Use that snowball method. Find ways to reduce your expenses and continue to operate the way you are now so you're not really seeing a, a letdown in what you're doing, but you're still eating, you're still doing all the stuff you need. Create high side hacks. So follow those things. It'll make a big difference. You can probably walk into 2022 with a significantly less debt if you follow that and stick with it year in and year out to the point where you have no debt, which is wonderful because then all you're going to be doing is earning interest as opposed to paying an interest. Now, that's the end of this segment. You wanna stick with us. We're gonna be right back. We're gonna be talking about the every bubble. You know what? Prices have been going up. Things are getting more expensive. And sooner or later, they're gonna to have to go down and we're gonna have some bubbles. So now we have um, Dr. Murray Sabrin, who's the author of Navigate the Boom and Bust Cycle. You're gonna to wanna to stick around for this one. So stick with us. We'll be right back with some more Staving with Steve. More expert advice for having a happier relationship with money still to come on the Saving with Steve show. Don't let your financial woes keep you up at night and prevent you from living a life of financial and personal freedom. Hi, I'm Steve Sexton, host of the Saving with Steve show. We're going to be talking about the ins and outs of money, those financial issues that could be costing you thousands of dollars, causing stress, keeping you up at night. We're going to talk about money, tax reduction, saving more, spending less, your investments, risk management, retirement, and everything associated with you having a healthier, happy relationship with money. So if you've ever dreamed of living a life of financial and personal freedom, you owe it to yourself and your family to tune into The Saving with Steve Show. Join me, Steve Sexton, on The Saving with Steve Show as we talk about everything under the sun when it comes to money. 
To learn more about the show, visit savingwithsteve.us. That's savingwithsteve.us. Savingwithsteve.us. Welcome we'll back see you to the soon. show that is here to help you achieve your financial goals. It's the Saving with Steve show. Now here's your host, Steve Sexton. Hey, welcome back to the Saving with Steve show where we talk about the ins and outs of money. Now, we have a wonderful guest with us today. You know, early in the uh, intro of the show, we talked about bubbles. And we talked about how interest rates have gone up, stock prices have gone up, housing prices have gone up, car prices, everything's pretty much gone up. And the Fed, you know what, they tried to have this economic policy that would enable, you know, those things to relax themselves, make it easier, but that just isn't the case. You know what, we could be looking at bubbles on multiple levels. And this is one of the reasons why we have Murray Sabrin. He's a retired doctorate or professor of finance. And he's written this wonderful book called Na- Navigating the Boom Bus Cycle. Uh, it's designed for entrepreneurs as a survival guide. But you know what, whether you're managing the church funds, your family budget, small business, large business, medium business, you're an executive in business, you want to stick around for this. So with that, I want to welcome Murray to the show. Murray, welcome to the show. Thanks for being with us today. Well, thank you, Steve. I appreciate the opportunity to discuss such an important issue with you and all the listeners out there. Oh, this is wonderful. So let's get started. Um, Right now, if people are invested in the stock market, they're kind of loving it. They're seeing their stock go up and all that kind of stuff. If they've just sold a house, they're loving it because they're selling at a real high price. Uh, uh, What they don't love is the increased cost of food, and many, 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 many other things. And, and it's crazy because, you know what, um, I like watches and even higher end watches, they're seeing a 30 and 40% increase in the values of them. And my friends that have these watches, they're like, I can't believe this. I'm selling some of these things. And, you know, they're looking at paying higher prices. So we've, we've got all those happening, but sooner or later, it, it's got to come to an end. And, you know what, I, I was wondering if you can kind of give a, you know what, hey, this is where we're at right now type um, um, understanding for our listeners. And this is what we're likely to see sometime in the future. And then, you know, that that kind of that boom and bust cycle that um, that people are, you know, the the traits that that go along with that. Sure. Uh, There's so much to unpack here, Steve, because this is uh, one of the most important phenomena facing the country, namely, why do we have these cycles and what we can do, what can we do to protect ourselves, especially when the bust occurs, like we saw during the housing bust. If uh, people were around that time, they saw real estate get decimated and all the allied industries related to uh, real estate got, got decimated. And uh, it was a terrible time for a lot of people in the U.S. economy. So these boom bust cycles are not acts of nature. They're not acts of God. They're acts of the Federal Reserve in the United States because they have the power to create money. And when you have that power to create money and you have the ideology in the economics profession or economic theoreticians who say that you need a steady increase in the money supply in order to keep the economy uh, sustainable. Well, that's a myth. That's probably one of the greatest myths we have in our society, that you need more and more increases in the money supply to get the economy going. What an economy needs, Steve, is very simple. Savings. Savings drives investment. Investment drives the output of goods and services. And that eventually flows to the consumer. So as I like to tell my students when I was teaching, in order for me as a professor to be a consumer, I first have to be a producer. And what do I produce? Teaching, corporate finance, 
financial history of the United States, securities investments. So I got a paycheck from Ramapo College where I taught for 35 years because I produced something, educational services. Same thing with everyone else, whether they're uh, a checkout uh, cashier or they're uh, the CEO of a company. You have to be employed. You have to produce something of value that someone's willing to pay you for. Then you can be a consumer. You cannot be a consumer before you're a producer. And so that's, I think, one of the most important lessons in economics that I learned a long time ago. And I've carried that idea with me. And then when you see these cycles occurring, people are scratching their heads and saying, why do we have these cycles? Is it greedy businessmen? Is it greedy unions that are pushing up wages? Is it greedy uh, this, that, and the other thing? No, every common denominator of every boom bust cycle is that a central bank in the United States, the Federal Reserve, is creating money out of thin air they're depressing interest rates with their uh, monetary policy in order to, quote, stimulate the economy. And all that does is create an unsustainable boom like we've seen since the Federal Reserve was created for the past 107, eight years in 1913. So this is nothing new. It's what I call in one of my chapters, wash, rinse, and repeat. You create a boom, they cut back on the money supply, the, the unsustainable projects are revealed for what they were, wasteful, you get a recession, depression, and then they start inflating again in order to stimulate the economy to get us into the next cycle. And this has been repeated for the 100 plus years. And before the, the Federal Reserve was created, the banks themselves were creating booms by printing up banknotes. And that was uh, flowing into the economy, giving us the panic of 1819 and all these other panics uh, up until the panic of 1907. So when the Federal Reserve was created, we no longer have panic. We have depressions, and then that word got tossed out, and now we have only recessions or great recessions. Wow. So basically what you're saying is this has been going on for more than 100 years, so it's not something that people should think that it's new. So when politicians say it's that person or that person or that person, it's just a, you know, well, I actually understand economics, and I understand the rise and the run of, that goes along with all that. But for mm -hmm. most people, they are just used to going to work, and they don't realize they're part of the rise or the run. And you know what? I, I think it's it's important for people to understand, you know, what, what's happening is you're just part of a cycle. Well, that's it. I mean, everyone has plays a role in the economy. Again, whether you're a CEO, the uh the owner of a mom and pop shop on Main Street, whether mm -hmm. you're a blue-collar worker or a white-collar worker or whatever, you are affected by the business cycle. There's no question about it. And sometimes it's it's, it's widespread like the Great Recession. Sometimes it's sort of confined, like the uh, dot-com bubble bursting. That was confined to basically the high-tech sector. We've had mild recessions like 6970, 1991. And the question is, when will the cycle, when will the up cycle end? And I, in the book, I discuss what, uh, what the, uh, the guy- the next question I had. And uh, the inverted yield curve is probably the best indicator. When the short-term rates go above long-term rates, it means there's a, there's a, a a flight to liquidity, and uh, people want to get the money, and the Federal Reserve has throttled back on its uh, money inflating, and that key, and that uh, causes short-term interest rates to rise. And when that happens, uh, that's when the economy starts to roll over six months or a year down the road. So right now, the yield curve is getting close to inverting. I think it could invert in 2022, because if the Federal Reserve gets really concerned about accelerating inflation, and we saw inflation increase at the highest level in 40 years, and they really cut back, like Volcker cut back in 1979, 1980, when he was appointed chairman of the Federal Reserve with the mandate to, to get the inflation under control, interest rates went to what, 21, 22%. 
Oh, now, yeah. I don't think that's going to happen this cycle, but you just never know. I mean, uh, who thought in 1977-78 if uh, the rate of inflation would go to double digits and we'd have 22% uh, interest rates? So again, in 2021, most economists, or virtually all economists, got it wrong in terms of inflation. They said inflation is going to be benign in 2021, and we ended the year with, what, uh, 6% inflation. So again, uh, inflation can creep up very quickly on, on, on people and the economy, and uh, the Federal Reserve's mandate is to have quote, price stability, they consider price stability at 2% per annum, which I never understood where that number comes from, because price stability is, is also a myth. In a market economy, Steve, what happens, prices slowly fall as productivity increases and innovation takes place, as we've seen in high-definition television and other high-tech items over the years. So, what the Fed is doing, in effect, this is the, this is the interesting thing, is that it's blocking the fruits of a free market economy from spreading out to the from the entrepreneur to the public. So all everyone's living standards would go up. Instead, the Federal Reserve creates winners and losers during the inflation cycle. Oh wow! Okay. Um, now, one of the questions I you know what um, we're going to have to take a quick break, and we're going to be right back. Everybody, stick with us. We got more. Uh, more Murray Sabrin and you know what we're right back on Saving with Steve more expert advice for having a happier relationship with money still to come on the Saving with Steve show don't let your financial woes keep you up at night and prevent you from living a life of financial and personal freedom. Hi, I'm Steve Sexton, host of the Saving with Steve show. We're going to be talking about the ins and outs of money, those financial issues that could be costing you thousands of dollars, causing stress, keeping you up at night. We're going to talk about money, tax reduction, saving more, spending less, your investments, risk management, retirement, and everything associated with you having a healthier, happy relationship with money. So if you've ever dreamed of living a life of financial and personal freedom, you owe it to yourself and your family to tune into The Saving with Steve Show. Join me, Steve Sexton, on The Saving with Steve Show as we talk about everything under the sun when it comes to money. To learn more about the show, visit savingwithsteve.us. That's savingwithsteve.us, savingwithsteve.us. We'll see you soon. Welcome back to the show that is here to help you achieve your financial goals. It's the Saving with Steve show. Now here's your host, Steve Sexton. Hello, welcome back to the Saving with Steve show where we talk about the ins and outs of money. We're definitely talking about the ins and outs of money with Murray Sabrin. You know what, we've been talking about the boom and bust cycle. This, he's got a wonderful book, you can get it on Amazon. It's called Navigating the Boom, Bust Cycle, an Entrepreneur Survival Guide. But you know what, it's a lot more than just that. We've been talking about the ins and outs of you know the common traits of the boom and the bust. One of the things I wanted to ask you, Murray, is what industries do you see? You know, we we realize it's the you know the Fed cycle here with the way they're handling money. But what industries do you actually see having you know the highest likelihood of a bubble bursting? Well, if you look at the data and the Federal Reserve. Uh website of the St. Louis Fed called FRED, F-R-E-D, the Federal Reserve Economic Database, has all the data that you need. And I link to that in my book. And I, and I pull out some of the charts to show that it's motor vehicle sales are, are very sensitive to interest rates. So when interest rates go up, motor vehicle sales uh, tend to go down. Obviously, housing starts. We saw that 
obviously during the housing bubble. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't see that much in, in the dot-com bubble, interestingly enough, because the housing bu- bubble really took place over 15 years. There was a huge upcycle since the mid-90s until the housing market broke in 2007, 2008. So that was a long housing bubble. Um, so you have construction also, you have commodity prices, uh, lumber, copper. Copper is considered Dr. Copper because it's a pretty good indicator of uh, the state of the economy because copper is such a great, such an important input into the into uh, the production process, the manufacturing process. So you have unemployment is another great indicator. Uh, if you look at the data, when the unemployment rate sort of bottoms out and goes sideways, that means employers are not uh, are not uh, hiring more people. And that means that the, the uh, labor market is sort of saturated with workers. And then as that labor market, the unemployment rate starts to creep up, that indicates that companies are laying off people because their sales are soft and they want to reduce input costs. Labor is an easy input cost. It's a variable cost that you can get rid of pretty quickly. So you have that indicator. Uh, so you have interest rates. You have uh, money supply numbers. If the money supply uh, growth is really slowing down, like it was in 2008, mm-hmm. uh, that's, that is a precursor to a stock market decline and the uh, economy declining. So you have interest rates, money supply, unemployment data, housing starts, uh, housing sales uh, of existing home sales, uh, commodity prices, um, and the list goes on and on. What you're telling me is there's a lot of different industries that could experience this little little bubble bursting. Um, You know, I I can see, I I, I think everybody can see uh, housing prices because you've got interest rates that are so darn low, probably lower than they've been in 60 years or more. And you know what? When the Fed starts increasing by a quarter, and another quarter and another quarter, like they pretty much plan to do next year, that's going to push people out of that market, which is going to create an issue, which is going to lower prices. And then you're right. You know what? Hey, you can get 0% financing on a car, but that when that starts going back up to two, three, and four, people are going to think twice about it again. And that is going to have that trickle down effect when it comes to people being employed. Cause you know what, quite frankly, um, employers aren't going to need the employees. And in fact, many have utilized electronics or artificial intelligence to replace people. Uh, so we can. there's a lot of things that are coming down, just pure logic. Now, you talk about policymakers making the same poor decisions. You know what? Help people understand what that means. Um, I get it. If they make the same poor financial decisions, they're going to have uh, it's going to create further problems in the economy uh, or uh, it'll amplify the issue in the economy. Could you help people understand that? Yeah. I mean, if you look at the history of economic thought, we had a, this Great Depression in the 1930s. And basically, President Hoover did before uh, John Maynard Keynes' 1936 book on the general theory came out. He thought that the way to get the economy moving again, as the stock market crashed in October of 29 and the economy started imploding, he thought the best way to uh, get the economy moving is to keep wages up, to keep for, for the federal government to spend, and he raised taxes. He did everything po- wrong possibly in order to uh, get the economy moving again. What should have happened is the economy should have adjusted to the reality of the uh, uh, bubble bursting in the stock market, the real estate market, and other markets in the 1920s, and just allow the natural course of adjustment to take place. So 
by the time he left office, unemployment was 25% for the whole country. It was a disaster. Taxes went up. Uh, uh, employers and business people didn't know what policies were coming down. And when FDR got elected in the last slide, he basically continued Hoover's policies. So instead of having a recession, depression over in a year, two or three, it lasted a full decade. This was really a remarkable failure of economic policy. And yet people consider FDR the savior of the U.S. economy. That's that's probably the, the greatest myth in American um, presidential history that that FDR saved the economy. He did no such thing. What happened was, of course, uh, World War II began in uh, 1939. The U.S. entered in 1941. Uh, the unemployed men went into the service and, you, and we had a war economy and you mm -hmm. got rid of the unemployment problem. But uh, that was not a solution to the problem that was facing the country. You needed a more what? Hands-off policy, a laissez-faire policy, if you will. Instead, the policymakers were now uh, had their Bible, John Maynard Keynes' general theory that said the government's got to spend when you have a recession. And when the economy gets better, the government has to uh, run surpluses and the Federal Reserve has to keep money flowing. Well, we've tried that, except the government never runs surpluses or very rarely runs surpluses. And so you've got money flowing into the economy from government spending, from cheap money, the low interest rates. And now you've got what, what people have called the everything bubble. Everything's inflated. You go to the store, prices are up 5 10% from last year. Gasoline, we, we know, is up. Used car prices are through the roof. Housing prices in some communities are up 30 40% in one year. That's clearly unsustainable. So the question is, when will the bubble burst? And uh, the book gives you some guidelines as to when I think it's going to happen. I recently wrote an article that was published by Fortune magazine online. And I said, which I, in the previous segment, once the Fed realized that inflation is going to be a real big problem and they start raising interest rates, we could see the recession start in 2023. But I think it, it'll probably happen no later than 2024. Yeah. No. So let's talk about this. What are things people, businesses can do to weather a bust? Well, this, this is, I think, the $64,000 question, because most businesses are caught short when the, when the bust occurs and they see their sales uh, decline and they, don't, and they have to lay off people. Well, during a boom, what you should be doing is uh, preparing for a bust because we know it's coming. So you should be raising cash, putting uh, reserves aside, whether you're an individual small business owner or you're a, a, a larger company or even a big conglomerate should be raising cash. Listen, Warren Buffett, the head of Berkshire Hathaway, $500 billion company, he has $140 billion in cash on the balance sheet of Berkshire Hathaway. So what does he know that a lot of people don't know? Why does he raise so much cash? He doesn't find much value to buy either companies or stock with that hoard of cash that he, that's generated from all the companies that uh, Berkshire owns, or he's waiting for the next bust to occur so he can buy up assets on the cheap, 20, 30, 40 cents on the dollar, which he did very successfully during the housing bubble. And he bought a lot of bank stocks and other stocks that were depressed because of the implosion of the housing market. And uh, Berkshire has done exceedingly well since then. Uh, so again, raising cash during a boom sounds counterintuitive because really you want to be in the action, so to speak. You really want to have your resources in, in uh, generating sales that will uh, give you a good profit margin. But the, the turning point is what if you are expanding your business and the, and, the, and the economy rolls over and you've got all this excess capacity and, and sales dry up, now you have a large overhead, large fixed costs, and you're in, you become in deep trouble. And so this is the de delicate balancing act that entrepreneurs have to do during the course of a cycle is don't overexpand 
when it looks like the economy is going to roll over. Now, obviously, you want to expand your business because there's great demand for your product. That's why you want to expand it. Mm -hmm. But uh, this becomes, a, a, like I said, uh, a very uh, important thing to navigate. And every business owner, every business decision maker really needs to be attuned to the general market conditions in their area, in their industry, in their sector, and, and see where sales are going. Because they know before the economists at the Federal Reserve what, what's happening at the micro level in, in business. Before that data is collected by the Commerce Department of the Bureau of Labor Statistics that's reported every month, the unemployment data, the uh, housing data, and so on and so forth, uh, income data. So again, entrepreneurs have to be attuned to both the macro and the micro, because that's where the decision-making has to be made. That's You know what? That's a wonderful statement, whether it's a business or you're just managing the finances. It's not the time to get overextended because you never know when you're the person that's going to be the odd person out at the company you work for, or it affects your business and you don't have the cash flow or the cash you need to survive it. So that's a wonderful lesson. Murray, uh, our time is up. I want to thank you for being here. Um, I loved our conversation because it made me think and made me go, okay, I need to start doing some things here uh, or me doing more of those things. Cause I understand the cycle you're talking about. Uh, and I also understand um, the business owners, small business owners, just the people who are driving around listening to this going, okay, things are going really, really, really well. Because if you really think about um, 2007, 8, I mean, people thought, I, I think we saw an eight or 900 point drive up in the, in the S&P 500 between May and September. And then it started inching back and people said, oh, don't worry, it'll keep going and going. And all of a sudden, bam, um, the, you know, the market went down. And people are looking at it greed. And I talked to a number of people in the tech market that at, uh, at that a year or two out, and they said, you know what, I wouldn't be working if I uh, if I had sold my stock when uh, I was told to uh, back before 2008. <laughs> so that, that greed really gets people. So again, I want to thank you for being here. Um, you know, I know everybody can get your book. Navigate the Boom and Bust Cycle, an Entrepreneur Survival Guide at Amazon. It's five-star rated, which is wonderful. Uh, is there, are there other people? Can, can people get your book at Barnes & Noble or other locations? Not only that, but if they go to my blog, murraysebrin.com, there's a flyer that links to the uh, publisher's website, and they're offering a 20% discount with the uh, uh, code uh, BOOM20. And the publisher is offering this all the time now. It's not just a one-shot deal of a, of a discount, but it's an ongoing discount to make sure the book gets out there so people can have the tools in order to navigate the boom bus cycle. So if you go to murraysabrin.com, you can see the flyer there, click it on, and uh, that'll take you right to the publisher's website, apply the code, and you'll get a nice discount from the publisher. So help us out with that code again. <laughs> it's boom 20. It's on the, it's on the flyer. It's uh, if you go to the, okay. Yeah. I just want to make sure everybody who's listening who love what we heard or want to understand what's going on and what moves to make that they can go to the publisher's um, website and get that code boom 20 to get a 20% discount on Murray's book on uh, navigating the boom and bust cycle and entrepreneurs, uh, entrepreneur cyber um, survival guide. So Murray, again, I want to thank you for joining us. Stay safe, stay healthy out there in Florida um, I know you want to complain about that bad weather, but hey. <laughs> yeah, listen, someone, someone has to live here, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have a friend that lives there and I just said, hey, stop bitching and complaining. He goes, yeah, I understand. <laughs> but right. with that, I'm going to let you go. You have a wonderful day. And again, thank you for being here. Stay safe and healthy. Okay, Murray? 
Thank you, Stu, Steve, and happy new year to everyone who's listening. And uh, let's make it a great 2022. Sounds good. Everybody, that was Murray Sabrin. This wonderful book, Navigate the Boom and Bust Cycle, an Entrepreneur Survival Guide. You can get it at Amazon. You can also go to his publishers and get that wonderful code to get 20% off. You know what? I want to thank you for joining us today. We'll look forward to seeing you next week right here on Saving with Steve. Again, stay safe, stay healthy. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for the Saving with Steve show hosted by Steve Sexton. To learn more about the show and how to become a guest or sponsor, visit savingwithsteve.us. That's savingwithsteve.us. Join us again next time as we continue to talk about everything under the sun that relates to you having a healthier, happier relationship with money. This has been the Saving with Steve show hosted by Steve Sexton.